Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you for joining us. Today we're going to talk about dogs getting away from you, right? Dogs that... that Either get out of your yard because the gate's left open or you're walking them on the street and their collar comes off or you drop their leash. Somehow they get away. Right. And sometimes this happens to people when they take their dog to the vet's office or when they take their dogs to the groomers. They're going in and the dog decides, I'm not going, and either pulls away from them or mm-hmm. gets out of the car or there's just a lot of different ways. Right. And also, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the groomer because, you know, when I take Daisy to the groomer, quite often they don't put her collar on as tight mm-hmm. as I have it when I drop her off. And mm-hmm. so if you're not expecting that, then you don't check for it. And then if you walk your dog outside and your dog doesn't walk well on the leash or pulls out of the collar, then you could have a problem. And having been on the groomer end of that, I will tell you that a lot of times people don't have their dog's collars on yes. very tight to begin with. And it's not an issue for them until they get into a situation where they're taking the dog someplace that he doesn't want to go, like the vet's office or the groomers. And maybe the dog is willing, 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 willing. You open the door, the dog gets that whiff of the other animals or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and suddenly he goes, whoa, and he backs right out of his collar. I was at the airport one time over here, Burbank Airport, waiting for luggage. And, you know, where you wait for the luggage it was kind of outside they were doing some construction and it was really close to the main drag where people drive to drop people off and pick people up from their terminals and i'm standing there and this lady walks by me with this dachshund on a leash and next thing i know i hear this kind of ah scream and i turn around and i had just walked into this enclosed place from the outside and i look down and i see this dachshund whizzing past me right towards the street and I just leaned down real fast, put my hand on its back, and thank goodness it didn't bite me, but still would have been worth it. I know. You know, and it's because she didn't have the collar on tight enough. I know. Because then she comes over to get the dog, and she slides the collar on over the <laughs> over his head. <laughs> well, I know. And like, gee, don't you think that was the problem to begin yeah. with? I, I mean, I saw a very similar thing at a dog show years ago where somebody was, they were having a dog show where the parking was far enough away from the actual event that they were shuttling people back and forth from where the parking was. This lady goes to get in with her two Borzois on a brace, which is a, a device that joins the two dogs together so mm-hmm. you can walk them on a single leash. I'm not saying that for your benefit, but right. for other people's. And one of the dogs gets in, and the other dog pulls out of his leash, and I heard that they never got that dog back. Oh, I heard that that dog... No. So anyway, the thing is, if you have a dog that doesn't have a great recall, so maybe later we'll talk a little bit about that, and they get away for whatever the reason, or even a dog with a great recall that gets away and gets is, is really scared. afraid. Yeah, really? really legitimately afraid of something. You need some strategies for how to get them back. And I think that originally you kind of came up with the concept of doing this particular podcast because you saw somebody doing it very poorly. So we'll also talk about the things that you can do to sabotage your efforts to get the dog back. Yes. So if you, you know, you're out and you have your dog out and the dog slips the lead or whatever and the dog's just not got a great recall, there are some things that you can do, some strategies to try to get the dog back. First and foremost, don't yell. Don't yell. 
Because if you yell and you sound scary and mean, the dog's not going to want to come back. Yeah, the dog is already scared. He's already running, and now you're mad at him, too. He has no reason to come back to you. And even if you have a dog that's not scared, even if you just have a dog that's on a merry lark, I mean, it's only common sense that if you're yelling at me, I don't want to come running up to right. you. I'm it's having just... fun out here. Why do I want to come back to you? Right. So... One of the ways that you can possibly get your dog back, let's say the dog isn't afraid. Let's say the dog has just gotten loose and is on a merry lark and is having a great time and doesn't get out that much. There's some things you can do, and one of those things is to know what it is that the dog really likes. Maybe the dog really likes going in the car. Very many times when we were a kid, we had a dog that would get loose, and that would be the way to get him back would be to open the car doors and say, let's go. If, however, you do that, and you have to do that more than once, you need to get in the car and drive the dog somewhere. (laughs) He's going to catch on real fast. Yeah, that it's just a joke, that it's just a, you know, it's a psych. So you definitely, that's one of the ways that you can do it. Another way you can do it is to turn around and run the other direction. Start calling the dog. Because that's a really good way to get your dog to think. One of the, the mistakes that people make is their dog gets loose, and he's running down the street, and they're running down the street after him, and he keeps looking over his, his shoulder going, Hey, we're having a great time. Come on, follow me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's taking the lead, if, if the dog's in a good place. And we'll talk about a, a fearful dog. Yeah. I must know where we're going. Yeah. And what a great game, because I totally have you, you're totally going with me with this. And that's one reason when I have a new client and I, I ask them what kind of games they play with their dog, and they say, oh, we play chase. And I say, okay, who chases who? And if they say they chase the dog, because, you know, it's a lot of fun to, like, look at the dog and go, I'm going to get you. And, you know, and jump the, at the dog. Yeah, and yeah. jump at the dog and, and get the dog to run, and then you chase the dog. I tell them, absolutely not. The dog is always it. The dog always chases you if you're going to do that. Because otherwise, if your dog ever gets off the leash and you're outside and you start to chase the dog, then the dog says, oh, we're playing that game. And it becomes a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have a dog that's had the situation where they've been loose, and I've certainly retrained dogs that have had this, and I'm sure you have too, where they've gotten loose and the people have chased them and with the intent that once they get him, they're in trouble. That's a huge problem too because now the dog says, I will never catch me. Mm -hmm. Never, 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 never. You you might this time, but next time it's not going to happen because you finally catch up to the dog, and I know you're frustrated, and I know you're scared, and I know you're angry, but no matter what happens, you've got to put a smile on your face and say, good dog, because otherwise the dog says, wow, I should have stayed out longer. And guess what? You just identified a problem that you need to work on in the future. So really, you have no reason to be upset with your dog Mm -hmm. because your dog is only doing what's natural for a dog to do. That just tells you what you haven't done, which has taught them some different skills. And to be honest with you, you know what? Especially if if your dog is afraid, you should be the one person your dog should trust. Mm-hmm. You should be the one person your dog should not be afraid of. So if he gets off the leash and he's running scared, he should want to come to you. You mm-hmm. should be his protector. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be the one there standing there with an angry look on your face and a nasty tone in your voice. Actually, years ago I was at a dog show. I used to show my Airedale in obedience. And I was at a dog show up north, and my Airedale and another were in an X-Pen. And some people walked their dog by... And if I had to guess, I would guess that the dog jumped on the X-Pen because these dogs were really conditioned to be in an X-Pen. I was over at a ring watching the Best in Show competition. All of a sudden, I see this Airedale racing, running through the crowd. And people are trying to grab him, and he's ducking and bobbing and weaving. He's trying to get away from him. He's thinking, oh, my God. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, somebody's Airedale. (laughs) And I realized, that's my Airedale. Oh, no. (laughs) And I called him. 
And he's looking, looking, you know, he's still scared. He's really wide-eyed, and he's looking, looking, looking. And I say, Elton, come here. And I make a big thing with my body, you know, to make him, to stand out, because here's all these people, and he's really overwhelmed. And he makes a beeline to me and comes up to me, and somebody said to me, careful, careful, don't, he might bite. And I'm like, no, it's my dog. (laughs) Aren't I proud? And I leaned down and made a big deal about what a good boy he was. Luckily, he knew that if he came to me, that he was going to be okay, because he was in a panic. And that he wasn't, yeah, and that he wasn't going to be in trouble. So he was kind of looking for you to be the safe, because all these strange people are grabbing at him. him, And scaring him. And he's not biting, but he's ducking and bobbing and weaving. He's trying to get out of Mm -hmm. there. And, And every time somebody grabs at him, he just moves a little bit faster so he's really mm-hmm. built up ahead of spe- steam by the mm-hmm. time i get to him and realize oh my goodness that's my air yeah. running loose. well and have you ever noticed that when somebody's dog gets out and they're the one that's angry and yelling the people who can get the dog to come to them are the people who are going here puppy 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 right the kind those of are the people right because that person doesn't sound angry that person doesn't have a nasty look on their face and even if the owner, even if the, the dog doesn't have a history of the owner, because like, let's say the dog has never gotten out before, so the dog doesn't remember, oh, last time I went to you, you got mad at me. Uh-huh. It still is a comparison. This person over here is talking nice to me and is down, you know, crouching down and kissing at me and stuff versus mom, who's really pissed. Right. I think I'd rather go to the nice stranger. Right. So if your dog's really fearful, some of the things that you can do to break through that fear, because I was lucky, you know, I had worked a lot with my dog, and so... He was used to hearing my voice and knowing, ah, now there she is, the Savior. Even though we hadn't worked in that set of circumstances before, mm-hmm. that was a positive thing. Go to well, mom, that's a good thing. Well, yeah, you had a history with him. Right, but let's say your dog gets loose, he's really scared, and you don't have a good recall on him. He doesn't have a natural recall. There's a few things that you can do. One of them is don't look scary. Think of all the things that you do with your dog that are positive and try to channel those. Yeah, you have to let it go. I mean, you have to take a deep breath and put a smile on your face and try to take the stress out of your voice right. to get your dog to come to you. You can use a word, maybe cookies or food or something. Or go for a ride, like you said, even if you don't have a car. Yes. Right there handy. Or let's if go. There's, yeah, let's, let's go. go. You yeah. want to go for a walk. Want to go to the park. I mean, anything that the dog associates with something good, right. that you can say that and give the dog a second to think and go, oh, wait, that's a good thing. Another thing that you can do, I have done this before, is not just call your dog, but actually get in your car and drive it towards where the dog is. Mm -hmm. Slowly, of course, so you don't hit your dog. Because sometimes where a dog that won't go to a a car that's standing still will, if you drive up, oh, hi, let's go. Yeah, I found two stray dogs. I was coming up Benedict Canyon, which is a very windy road around here, and it's heading up towards Mulholland Drive. And two dogs just around this corner are running in the street. And I pull into this very tiny driveway, and I open up my truck door. And the dogs jumped right in. Right. <laughs> and I went, good. They, yeah, yeah, they didn't know me. Yeah. But I opened up the car door, and they jumped right in. And I went, okay. The other thing that I've done to get a dog that was really freaked out is taking out one of my own dogs. And, I've done that, and too. And to try to lure. Now, this is not advisable if it's a big dog and you don't know what their reaction might be to your dog. I mean, if you suspect that there's a possibility that they might hurt your dog, really bad idea. But if you own another dog, taking that other dog and making a big deal of that other dog and even making a big deal of that dog calling your, your dog that's loose and then turning around with the dog that's on the leash and running the other direction will very often pull that dog right over to you. And if the dog that you're after isn't running scared and they're just playing like the keep-away game, mm-hmm. 
Um, a lot of times if you squat down and pretend like you've found something in the grass that's really interesting or you start digging a hole or going and turning your back to the dog, then the curiosity quite often will get the better of the dog and the dog will come over to see what it is. Or the key is don't grab for him as <laughs> soon as he gets there because right. you've only got one shot right. and if you miss... He's gone. He's not doing it again. Right. So you need to go, oh, look what I have, and then keep pulling away from him and keep pulling away away from him so that he keeps there and is interested. And then you go, oh, good boy. A lot of times also, once he's there, especially if he's trained somewhat, you can say sit. If you say sit, and even if he's not there, a lot of times if he doesn't have a good recall, most dogs have a good sit. So as long as you can get their attention, you can say sit, and then they sit, and you say, good boy. And quite often, a dog will come to you after you say good boy because good boy means good things for the dog. Right. Especially if you've done any training at all. Yeah. And used any kind of reward at all. So rather than saying come or stay, you say sit. Oh, the dog says, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And then you go, good boy. And then you can say stay or you go to the dog or pretend like you're reaching in your pocket for a cookie. Something. So those are some ideas for ways to get the dog to come to you. Let's talk about the things that really sabotage it. And I think there's the obvious ones like being angry, which is a really obvious sabotage to getting the dog to mm-hmm. come back. But another one is to be over eager is to try to talk the dog into it. Because if you sound happy and interesting, so just acting happy is a great way to make it happen. But sometimes if you're over eager, if you're trying to talk the dog into it, that can get a dog to the place where they want to play keep away a little bit more. Like, give us an example. If my dog, not my dog, because my dogs would come back, but if I have a dog that's loose, let's say I had a client dog that got loose in front of me and I wanted the dog to come back and the people were saying, come on, Buffy, come on, come on, come on, and really trying to get the dog back. And they thought they sounded positive. There's but I could hear that, that desperation in their yeah. voice. I would say to them, "Uh uh-uh, don't try so hard. Turn around and just sound like you've got something great happening and they wish they were in on it. That's kind of the mindset that you have to put yourself in. As hard as it is, and as much as the worry and the panic breaks in, you have to put yourself in that mindset of, okay, what is it the dog would want to come to? Well, what he would want to come to is if you had something that he wanted, that would certainly make him want to come to you. So sometimes calling him, come on, let's go. And then if he doesn't turn around and come towards you, turning around and running, you can catch me or something. Something that sounds like, hey, this is a great game and it's going the opposite direction. I'm taking it away from you. We'll get the dog to turn around and come right, right after you. Whereas if you stand there calling them, they'll just keep the, I'm going to keep my distance from you. Yeah, because no matter how we change our face and our voice, our body is still kind of in that desperation, leaning forward, reaching out type of thing. But that brings up another really good point in that when you are training your recall, it's not a bad idea to do that, Mm -hmm. to put a little bit of stress in your voice, to pretend like your dog is running towards the freeway and really make your voice sound panic or your body language panicked so that you're still teaching the dog when you see that it still is a good thing. So, I mean, that kind of brings us to the next thing, which is a recall. And I don't think that we can really sit down and break out a whole recall here and really teach a recall. But just give the basic ideas of a recall. When you're teaching a recall, you know, you start by making it really easy for the dog. You start by making sure that you have something that the dog really wants. You start by capturing the dog's imagination or getting the dog interested enough that he wants to come to you before you start calling him. Because a lot of times people try to train things and they'll just start saying words to a dog that have no meaning and recall is a really good one yeah come but I, i have nothing going on that makes you want to come if i have some kind of physical 
thing that I'm doing that I know is very compelling and is going to be magnetic for the dog, and I say cub, then I'm, I'm putting that in with the movement of them coming to me. It's the same as saying cookies when you have cookies, right? Right. Cookies could be a good recall word. Yeah. <laughs> except it's, except then it loses its ability to be a cookie word. Right. Because most of the people say, and they don't even realize you're doing this, but they're conditioning the word cookie equals food. Right. And so that's why cookie works is because you usually say, do you want a cookie? And then you go get the dog a cookie or you right. hand the dog a cookie. And so right. the, so for the dog, cookie equals food. And the same thing for people who use a clicker for clicker training. A lot of people will in an emergency use a clicker to get their dog to come. Because the dog, no matter what's going on, the dog hears the clicker and goes, oh, I'm going to come to you now. But the key is actually to teach an actual, real, live recall, a working recall. And a working recall means that you can say to the dog, come, or whatever your recall word is, and the dog will turn around and head towards you. You know, that's what a recall is. A dog that has a recall comes when they're called. They don't pretty much come when they're called or mostly come when they're called or... They come when they're called. I mean, that's the dog that actually really has a trained recall. So one of the things to remember when you're teaching a recall is to make it compelling for the dog to come to you. And I think that that's where people really make a mistake when they're teaching a recall is they want the control. They want the dog to come because he's supposed to. Instead of thinking, now how do I make this irresistible to you? So that absolutely coming to me is the most irresistible thing in our environment right now is me, right? Coming towards me. That's the beginning of a recall. Yeah, you know, with Daisy, when she was, I don't know, 14, 15 weeks old, I guess, maybe a little bit older, she would go running out into the backyard and dive into this bush to watch all these birds fly up into the sky. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, that early in the morning, I don't have my trainer's hat on, and so I'm standing at the back door going, Daisy, come, Daisy, come. Of course, I've never taught her a <laughs> recall at all. Right. And... She would be dancing around looking at all the birds because she's a poodle, looking at all the birds in the sky, and she wouldn't come to me. And after three days of doing this and her not coming, I finally decided, Laura, you're a trainer. I think I can, (laughs) I think you can figure this out. So what I did was, and I kind of took the cheater's way, but what I did was I got some baby food, just some chicken or beef flavored baby food. And she went out one morning and I had sort of been practicing a little bit on the recalls with her, but nothing compared to, you know, the competition of birds. Right, but you had already taught her what that meant. I had taught her, yeah, to, to, uh, to a certain baby extent. Food no, no, she had never seen baby no. food before. She had never seen it before. So she goes outside, she dives into this bush, I say, Daisy, come. She ignores me, I take the jar of baby food out there, I pop it open, I stick it in her nose as she's dancing around looking for the birds, and she goes, oh, ooh, what's that? Right. And I put the lid on, turned around, and walked back in the house with her hot on my heels. Right. Dancing around me going, I didn't know you had that. <laughs> right. And I said, too bad, honey. You should have trusted me. Right. And then the next day, she went out, dived into the bush. I went to the back door with the jar of baby food. I did not show her the jar of baby food. I didn't wave it around. This was not bribery. I said, Daisy, come. And she turned on a dime and came racing into the house, and I gave her the entire jar of baby food. And she's 12 years old now, and I think I've done that twice, two more times right? in all this time, and she still turns on a dime and comes when I call her. Well, I think, though, that people need to realize that that worked really well with your dog. It's not necessarily going to work with a dog who 
the birds are that compelling to. You would need to have started at a lower level. It works for you, Laura. Yeah, like I, said, like I said, at, it was at a, a lower level. Way. Yeah, you would need to have started at a lower level and actually taught her that and that, that something fabulous was at the end of that behavior and then gone deeper and deeper into more compelling. You were in a hurry. I yeah. know what was happening with you. You yeah. were like, okay, I want to be able to get her away from this. And, I, and I can, yeah, and yeah. I and I can I can shoot a couple of steps. But like right. I said, in between those couple of days, I did end up, you know, doing just a couple of little baby recalls mm-hmm. in the house. Then I took a giant leap, which I wouldn't recommend to my clients. But well, and I, and like I said, I don't think with it, this this particular podcast is about a recall necessarily. Right. So we're not going to go through the specific steps of a recall. But I want people, anyone listening to this, if you're contemplating teaching your dog a, to how to come when they're called. I want you to think about this. It needs to be the most compelling thing in their life. When you start teaching a recall, you have to set it up so that you are ten times more compelling than anything else that's going on in that moment that the dog can get to. Yeah, you want to do it in a boring environment or you want to wait until the dog has done everything that he wants to do in that environment and is now bored. And then the other thing that you need to do is during the time that you're teaching a recall and until you get it to a place where you can work against distractions... Don't, don't call use it, it dog against distractions. Yeah. So if you're out in the yard and the dog is in a bush and they're chasing birds, don't call them. Go out there and get them. Yeah, go don't get them. Don't call them. Don't, don't put them in a situation where you're going to have to call them and the dog is more likely going to fail. Going to fail, exactly. And so, you know, a, a recall is really important because then when your dog does get loose, they're probably going to come. Even a dog that's really fearful. It's like my Airedale being really frightened. Elton was his name. And Elton was his name. Anyway, it was like Elton being really frightened at that dog show. You know, he was really, really scared. In fact, trust me, big eyes. Truly, I didn't recognize him. That's how weird his body language was. But he was so scared. But we had worked on that recall so hard that even in that blind panic, he went, thank God. He recognized it. He was looking for it. It was a relief for him to have someplace safe to go. And what had happened was somebody had hit the side of the X-Pen, and I'm not sure who I think that was, and knocked the X-Pen over. And when the X-Pen went down, it fell on him, and then he shot out of it, and then he took off running. And I was nowhere to be found, and it really scared him. Now, this dog had been in dog shows many, 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 many times, so this was really an, it was a very unusual set of circumstances because we just had never had anything even close to this happen. He was really accustomed to being an X-Pen. But the point is, the recall saved him. The recall saved him because we had already conditioned it that I was the best thing at the end of that, of running loose. The best right. thing you could do is find your mom. At least, I mean, granted, in that circumstance, he didn't get away from you. It's not mm-hmm. like he slipped the leash and was running mm-hmm. away from you that you had to call him back. Whereas, you know, some of the situations we're talking about is when you're standing there, the dog knows exactly where you are and takes off. So I think that you had a little bit of an advantage, but at the same time, he, he was running blindly. No, but he wouldn't have slipped a leash. That's the point, because right. once a dog really has a great recall, they very rarely will ever slip away. They're, right. very, they're not going to pull away. They have no reason to go anywhere. Yeah, once you've seriously taught a great recall and you've taught the dog that I am the safe place, I am the safe haven, even a dog that's really afraid is very unlikely to run from yeah. you. I mean, a, circumstances where, a circumstance where they might is if they had gotten badly injured and were running from an in, something that they perceived injured them that was right next to you or something like that. But it is a very unusual set of circumstances yeah. for a dog that has a really fabulous recall. Yeah. And you know, that is one running. reason what you were saying is that being next to you is the safest place to be. That is one reason that I stopped training with choke chains because it n- didn't make sense to me that the only place the dog felt pain was standing next to me. 
was within a certain distance of me, that's where the dog got a correction. Well, I'm going to be totally honest with you. That dog was absolutely chained with the choke chain, and it, it's still possible to do that. But I yeah. see, I see your point. You know, in the end, I think the reason that you wanted to talk about this was because you saw a situation where somebody was. I did this them. morning, and it was on the a very busy street corner here in town, and to. Pitbull mixes running through a gas station, obviously afraid. The man got the one dog, and the woman was trying to get the other dog, and the other dog was obviously afraid, obviously conflicted about who to go to. Some other people had come out of the gas station, the store area, Mm -hmm. and were trying to get the dog, and the dog just didn't know where to go, kept looking at his mom and looking at the people, and I pull over, I'm grabbing leashes out of my truck, and the woman is just nasty with the dog yelling at the dog and clapping her hands really angrily, you know, get over here, get over here. It wasn't she got, Yeah, I know. Somebody else got the dog, and then That's, she came up and grabbed the dog and then is hauling the dog with his front feet off the ground by the collar back to her car. And I say, do you, you know, do you want a leash? And she, goes, she shakes her head at me really nastily, and she starts yelling at the dog, who is off already really scared. The tail is tucked up, and so... I said to her, I said, you know, now that you got her, you probably should be nice to her or next time you're not going to get her. Right. And the thing to remember about that is this. if Whether or not your dog is on a happy lark or is really scared, either way, you breaking in being the bad guy adds to the confusion for that dog. Either the dog is having a great time and you look like the reverse side of that. You look like the opposite of that side of coin. Okay, way out here in freedom land is fun, and back there by you is really bad. So what choice am I going to make? Or if the dog's really frightened, and you're yelling, and you're uptight, and you're carrying on like that, all you're doing is adding to those crazy sounds in his brain that's making him think, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this is scary. You're just adding to the panic. You're adding to the fear. And it doesn't help that it was somebody else that caught the dog. And then handed the dog directly over to the to the owner. Because next time, what are the chances the dog is going to go to even somebody else? Right. If the mom is there yelling, he's going to go, well, no, I'm not going to come to you because then she's going to get me anyway. So the bottom line in that situation was, even though she was upset, even though she was freaked out, even though she was worried, whatever it was, embarrassed, whatever it was that she was feeling, she should have been calling the dog in a, in a nice way. And when the person grabbed the dog and gave it back to her, she should have welcomed that dog back with open arms. Mm -hmm. Right. And I would have told the person, please tell my dog he's a good dog and pet him. And then I'll come up and get my dog from you because I don't want my dog to not go to strangers anymore either. Right. But even even if she made a big deal, in yeah, the end, it yeah. would have ended positive, and the dog would have thought, okay, that was a way out of that. Because mm-hmm. clearly, he went from fear to then, if it's all positive after that, he's going from a scary, awful situation that he feels he doesn't have any control to, safe. Safe. Even if the person doesn't say good, but hands him off to safety, mm-hmm. he goes, okay, strangers can help you get to the safe place. Yeah. <laughs> and chances are, this woman got those dogs home and continued to be mad at them for the rest of the day. Probably hauled them out of her car, threw them into the house or the yard or whatever, and continued to yell at them. And that may very well have happened. It may not have happened, but in the end, it doesn't matter. Because even if she didn't carry it on, the damage was done. All I'm hoping is that what I said to her sunk in at some point. Right. I think you just should have taken her aside and beat the crap out of her. You know what? I would have if, if (laughs) if the boyfriend hadn't been there. And it might have scared the dog, too. All right. So is that it? I think so. All right. Well, thank you for listening today. This is Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Remember that you can hear us on iTunes and also that you can visit us on Facebook. Thank you very much. Bye. 
You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. And remember, you can find Doggy Dish on Facebook and download us from iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you.